Well, tonight the Spirit of God wants to open the river in your soul. Somebody say, open the river in my soul. You know, there is such unbelief in the scriptures in this day and time. When I get to Brazil, when I get to Africa, you don't have this unbelief. There are no, there are no African atheists, but basically. When you get into third world countries like in Guatemala, there are no atheists. They live close to nature. They see the miracle of nature. They see the sunrise, the mountain, the majestic things that they're living in. They don't have that. But if you notice that America, we're covered by concrete and buildings. There are some people that never leave the concrete and the asphalt and the glass for months. All they see is the creation of man. And it's easy to begin to say, God is not valid when you're surrounded by man. But today God is saying, I want to identify something inside of you. Is that all right? So look at your neighbor and say, God cannot anoint ignorance. God, now God loves ignorant people. But he can't use ignorant people. Every employer knows I can't use dummies in my business. I want to be your cashier, but I don't do math. Oh, I can't use you. So God is the same way. He loves you, but he wants to anoint you through an understanding. Turn your Bible to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. And so today we're going to talk about your design. Everybody has a design. Everybody is a design. Everybody in a loud voice say, I'm a design, a design. In, a design. in a design, in a design, in a design. One more time, I'm a design. Come on, move your mouth. In a design, in a design, in a design. The first part of your design are morals. Everything that God makes has a moral righteousness design. And that's your heart. I've seen people that could read the Bible do miracles in Guatemala. They couldn't read. But yet they could do miracles because they trusted the Jesus from their heart. I've seen little kids prophesy who have never read the Old Testament. They just heard it, but they can prophesy. It's out of the purity of their heart. And so when God's going to get ready to use people, He's got to get that moral thing right or you're out of your design. The next thing is there are certain things that you can think and there are certain things you can't think because it's not in God's design. There are certain things you can do and certain things you can't do. It's out of God's design. Say out of his design, out of my mind, out of his design, out of my mind. See, issues in the head cause issues in the heart. Somebody say, lies in the head, issues in the heart. Come on, put some southern slang on it. Say, lies in the head, issues in the heart. You say, why do you do that? Because I want you to remember, has some mother come to me. She goes, all afternoon, my little four-year-old was going, lies in the head. Issues in the heart. All I do is somehow got in his head. Say lies in the head. Lies in the head. 
Issues in the heart. Lies in the heart. Issues in the head. So we got to get the lies out. And every generation and every location has certain lies that if you don't deal with those lies, they're anti-kingdom. You don't break the kingdom design, the kingdom design breaks you. And so this kind of preaching is to get you in line with his design. Come on, raise your hand and say, Holy Spirit, get me in line to your design. Get me in line to your design. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. It says, now may the God of peace. We're going to talk about peace at the end of this message. But why would it use the God of peace? Because it's significant to be able to move in the spirit of God. Thank you, worshipers. You can be seated. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 3. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. The word sanctify means make holy. In a traditional church building, what do you call this, this room right here? The sanctuary? What is, what's supposed to happen in the sanctuary? The holy place. Now, we don't think about, oh, we're going to go to the sanctuary. They were in the sanctuary. But this is the place where you get sanctified. Oh, some of you are like, oh, my God, I thought it was just a, like a theater. No, 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 you get sanctified here. All right? So I want you to be completely sanctified and may your whole spirit, your soul, and your body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Say, I am a three-part being. I am a three-part being. Say, I am a spirit. I have a soul. I live in a body. I am a spirit. I have a soul. I live in a body. Now, let me tell you how this thing works. Your spirit is God conscious. Say, my spirit is God conscious. Let's do it one more time. My spirit is God conscious. Wait for it. Say, my soul is self-conscious. You know what happens when teenagers are starting to go through puberty? Their soul is starting to develop and they get very self-centered. It's about me. They're trying to find out who they are, discover who they are. And if they don't have Jesus to tell them, they look around to everybody else to see who they are by comparison. And they start mimicking what they see on social media. They start mimicking what they see in the culture. But if I have a Bible, God starts talking to me about who I am, about what I am. But your soul is self-conscious. Me, 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 me. Remember when Jesus was praying in the garden? And he was, knew he was going to the cross. What did he say? My soul is troubled. Not his spirit, but his soul. Because he began to think about the agony of the cross, all the punishment, his soul began to quiver. He said, my soul is in torment. And he had to fight through it. And everybody's going to have a garden experience 
through different times of their life. You're going to go through something you don't want to go through, a death, a bankruptcy. People make decisions outside of you. And your soul starts having these attacks. Somebody say, it's a soul attack. Come on, it's a soul attack. And because the soul is self-centered, if you don't know how to get back in the spirit, that thing can grab a hold of your mind, your will, your emotions, your memories, your fear, your shame. It starts grabbing a hold of you. Even if you're born again, your soul can come under an attack. And you say, my body is world conscious. Say, my body is world conscious. Let's do it again. My spirit is God conscious. My soul is self-conscious. My body is world conscious. You touch the world through your five senses. And if something's dealing with the soulish area, you got to have a strong spirit to say no. The word flesh in the Bible means animal nature. What does the word flesh mean? What does the word flesh mean? So if I have an unsanctified soul in an unsanctified body, my spirit is against two to one odds. Your spirit's fighting your soul and your body. Then you add some demons and some bad friends. It's go to four to one, five to one. How many understand what I'm saying? I just feel that because this porn is such a big thing, especially young men. And some of you women, you got to be conscious of how you're dressing. You got to be conscious because you make the soul and the body of these young men go on fire by wearing things that are inappropriate and showing off more than you should. Well, Kevin, you're in my business. No, I'm in the Lord's business right now. You know, there's some women that come to church, they got that low cut top. They're one millimeter from a nipple. And can I tell you from a man's point of view, you can't bind them Bathsheba's. You can't bind low cleavage. I bind you cleavage. I bind you. You can't do that. You up here on stage wiggling and everything. Got your little super tight yoga pants. Tight pants so tight, you got a quarter in the back pocket. We can see if it's heads or tails. Hey. (laughs) Come on, all the men say, you can't bind them Bathshebas. That's my little name for the headlights right there. You can't bind them Bathshebas. I was at a church in Columbia. That's a, the place where they got the most plastic surgeons in South America. And this pastor's wife, she had breast enlargement. And she must have had low self-esteem because you could see her coming in a room 20 minutes before her face got there. <laughs> Sanctified sarcasm. All right, say, I am a spirit, I I have a soul, soul. 
I live in a body. So your soul is your mind, your reasoning ability, your emotions, your feeling ability, your will, your deciding ability, your memories, your conscience, your personality, your specific personalities in your soul. Now, why is this important? Because God doesn't flow through your soul in the beginning. He flows from your spirit through your soul. How does he flow? How does he talk to you? So you got to realize there's a difference between soul and spirit and most people are unconscious of it. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 and 13. Because when you understand your design, you can get back in the right place till God has you. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 and 13. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow. It is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. There is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. All right, now watch. When God speaks a word, he can divide between your soul and your spirit. And the devil is a specialist talking to your soul. He's a specialist at talking to your mind, your will, your emotions. How many ever had a crack in the glass of their windshield? Your windshield's got a crack. But you're in a rainstorm and you still don't feel the water coming through. Why? That's how close your soul and your spirit is. It's so close. It is so connected that unless you understand the difference by revelation, you're not going to be able to separate this thing because it's so close to the spirit. But the spirit of God comes, he starts dealing with your motives. He said, no, here's what you was really thinking. This is what you was really going after. And so the spirit of God decides to divide you to reveal this thing. So I can be agitated in my soul, but be at peace in my heart. Is anybody hearing this? I can be at, at peace in my spirit and yet still function with an attack in my soul. Now, if I don't understand how to strengthen my spirit, what happens is my soul gains control. You're an in-soul Christian. You don't read your... See, all of the people who don't read their Bible, you're going to be messed up because you don't know how to get back to the spirit realm. So we're talking about how to do miracles and signs and wonders and gifts and all the things that God wants you to have. So turn in your Bible to the book of John, chapter 7, verse 38 and 39. Now, Jesus is prophesying the future when the Holy Spirit is poured out. Most Christians are ignorant of how God uses his design. John chapter 7, verse 38. He that believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. The old King James says, out of your belly or your spirit 
will flow rivers of living water. Question, how many rivers are there? And the answer is, as many as I need. How many rivers are there? How many rivers are there? But remember, God doesn't anoint ignorance. If I want a river to flow, I got to get understanding about that river. If you want that money river to flow, I got to get understanding about how to deal with my money from the spirit and the soul. Somebody say delayed gratification. Come on, say delayed gratification. Some of you are still paying six years later for a lunch you bought six years ago on compound interest and you're still paying because you only paid the interest. You're, st that, you're still paying for that cheeseburger six months, six years from the time you bought it. Somebody say delayed gratification. And all the advertising is motivated on making you feel if you don't get it, you got, like we're talking today, you got FOMO, the fear of missing out. I got to have it. I got to have it. I got to have it now. I got to have it now. Press hard. Four, easy, four, four months easy payments. Just press hard right now. And everything is designed to get your soul to do something now. Well, that's where self-discipline comes in because I got a revelation from the Lord. And so the first thing, when God wants to bless you, he makes you a steward of your money. God is not going to bless non-steward. Now, you can win the lottery. You can get an inheritance. But for God to bless you, then we're going to deal with this self-discipline issue about your money. When I first got this revelation about getting out of debt, I told my wife, that's it. Lock up the credit cards. We're not going to go out for dinner. We're going to go for after church. We're going home. We're going to have a soup and a sandwich till we get out of debt. I'm going to beat that compound interest to death. I'm not going to let it control my life. Is anybody hearing me? If you want Miracle River, go understand how God does miracles. I remember when Brian was first chasing after signs and wonders. He had stacks of books. He watched hundreds and hundreds of hours of old videos. He brought a couple of the old generals of healing to his church. Why? He was getting understanding of the miracle river. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying? And so for God to use you, you got to get understanding in the area that you've been assigned to. I hardly have any physical miracles in my meetings. But I have a lot of demons cast out. A lot of people get their calling from heaven. A lot of people get taken to heaven in visitations because that's the river that God assigned for me to carry. And I've been studying and learning about it for years. And so when the Spirit of God comes, I know his thoughts. I know his ways. That river has permission to flow through my spirit, not my soul. Listen to me. God has chosen rivers to flow out of you. Amen. See, I feel like I'm with a bunch of dead Presbyterians. You should be shouting and screaming. I'm going to give you another shot at it. I'm going to give you a more shot. I'm going to raise my voice. I'm going to have more command. God has chosen a river to flow out of you. Yeah. 
Not just one river, but rivers. You know, I was talking to, where's Brandon at? He's my driver. He asked me a question. And he was asking me about, you know, the ministry and stuff like that, how things happen for me. And I said, you know what ruined me about 35 years ago? I got a picture of the corporate church with everybody doing what they were supposed to do. And I gave them the illustration. It was like a basketball team or a football team. Every player knew their, their position and every player was doing and executing the exact move they should move and they were unstoppable. I saw the body of Christ. Everybody was in union with Christ. They were doing the thing they were supposed to do and this body was just going to the earth unstoppable. And he says, go equip my people with the spirit. And I, I'm just, I, I love to do prophecy, but I'm 74 years old. I got 7,000 more days to maybe I'll be 94. And I'm never going to retire. You can forget about it. If I got a roll up on you and a walker and a cane, I got a word for you. If I can't lay hands on you, I'll lay cane on you. I got a word for you. I got a word for you. I will roll upon you and prophesy with my old gray hair self. I know how I want to die. I want to die at a minister's conference. 94, 95 years old. Now, boys, I'm going up to heaven now. Whoever wants my mantle, come and get it. Scare, scare the hell and put the heaven on them. I, I wanna, I wanna, that's how I want to go. I want my dying act to be a prophetic word. Now, now listen. Well, I, I'm, I'm retired. There's no retirement in the kingdom. I got my man George here, this black guy I met in Walmart. He said, I'm tired of being black. I'm going to retire. There's no retirement from being black. Kevin, you're a racist. No, I'm racial. I'm not racist. There's no retirement from being white. There's no retirement for you. And the moment you retire, your body starts falling apart because you're out of purpose. The, the reason you were created is no longer valid and your body automatically starts decomposing because I'm not in purpose. People say to me all the time, you're 74, you don't look like that. You know why? I'm staying in purpose. And either you're in God's purpose or you automatically by default go into perversion. If you're not in his purpose, by default, you're in perversion. You got the same gift, but you're using it for the wrong thing. That's why I don't trust anybody without kingdom ambition. What are you doing for the kingdom? Oh, I just go to church. I don't trust you. Why? That gift inside of you, you're perverting it. You're using it for something else that's not kingdom. Come on, somebody say, restore my kingdom ambition. I can't hear you. Come on, tell the Lord, restore my kingdom ambition. I never turn my prophetic Wi-Fi off. 
I'm walking through Walmart. I see George there. I said, this guy needs to be in my meeting tonight. I didn't say, well, brother, where'd you like to go? I said, you need to come and hear me preach, brother. He said, I believe I will. And here he is. John chapter 7, verse 38 again. He that believes in me. Now, let's get more specific. Say, inside of me, inside of me. is a full-grown Jesus. Inside of me is a full-grown Jesus. And you don't get a generic Jesus. You get a specific Jesus for your assignment. You know, Jesus, the singer, did not decide to be in Kevin's body. That's why I don't sing. I delegate my singing. Michaela, sing this. I give her the words that she just, oh, God shows up. There's a lot of things that I don't do because Jesus in me is not trying to do it. I just rest. People say to me, Kevin, will you pray for me for sickness? I say, well, really, I prefer not to. Why? Nobody gets healed. Go to see Brian. I delegate my healing. Healing guy, get him. I don't do marriage counseling. You got to be almost suicidal or you want to commit murder for me to get involved in marriage counseling. <laughs> I, I just know that's not my deal. You say, why? Because the things that a marriage counselor should say doesn't come out of me. <laughs> so you pull them in the room and you say, okay, wife, tell me what your issue is. <laughs> I divorce you too. I know I'm not supposed to be thinking that. <laughs> okay, sir, what's your problem? I want to hit him in the face with a giant King James Bible. You're an idiot. That's not how counselors of marriage are supposed to talk. That's all I can hear inside of me. I don't go to hospital with deathbed situations. The guy's on his last, like, two weeks. He's about to die. I know he's going to die. They say, Kevin, we'd like to pray for him. Have you got a word? Costco has caskets on sale. <laughs> that's, that's what's keeping my head. I said, that's not really what the Lord is saying to these people. I don't know what he's saying. How many understand what I'm saying? So you've got to identify the assignment that Jesus has chosen to be in you. It's not generic. How many know that scripture, I can do all things to Christ? How many people believe that scripture, I can do all things to Christ? If you believe that scripture, make some loud noise right now. I got some bad news. George had his hands up. If you can do all things in Christ, grow some more hair on your head. Have a baby. That scripture is not about ministry identity. It's about suffering. I know how to be poor. I know how to be rich. I can be in the condo or I can be in the pup tent. I can suffer and endure all things through Christ. You have a very small bandwidth about what God has called you to do. Do what you do best, delegate the rest. 
Somebody say, do what you do best. Delegate the rest. Anybody ever seen these people that say, God had given me a song. And then you hear the song, you're saying you're taking God's name in vain. God didn't have nothing to do with that song. I've heard some horrible songs. When the Lord has given me this song and I want to bless you with it. I feel cursed for the whole time they're singing it. <laughs> but not tonight. The present company excluded. So out of your heart or out of your spirit will flow rivers of living water. And he spoke this concerning the spirit of whom he believing him would receive for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. But he was saying, I've designed that out of your spirit will flow a river of living water. And so what's the problem? Many people are trying to get the river to flow through their soul before it flows through their spirit. Anybody get this yet? And so now that you have this thing that you've identified, begin to look for your spirit and say, Lord, what are you going to do in my spirit? It's a total different thing what God does in your spirit than what you feel in your soul. Look in your Bible to John chapter 20, verse 19. God wants your spirit to be at peace. Peace is a starting place for God to begin the river. If I can't get the peace, I can't discern the river of the spirit or the river of the soul. John 20, verse 19, on the same day of the evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled. Now, this is right after Jesus was crucified. The disciples are terrified. They think they're going to get killed by the Romans or the Jews or the religious Sanhedrin. They're just in a panic mode. When the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled, for the fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst of them and said, Peace, be still. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were glad when he saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. After eight days, the disciples were again inside, and Thomas was with them, so on and so forth. But I want you to stay with this peace. Now, when Jesus saw them, he walks to the door, just came to the wall, and he says, Peace. Was that a salutation or an impartation? A salutation, I mean, hi, guys. No, no, no. They were agitated. They were fearful. The first thing he had to do to cause them to be used of him was peace. Because if I can't get the peace, I can't discern between my spirit and my soul. Oh, that's a big hallelujah revelation thing. If I can't get the peace, I can't discern between my spirit and my soul. And so we got to get the peace. And then he says, again, peace. And he says, the same way the Father sent me, I'm going to send you. And so that's why God is going to begin to send you and speak to you and guide you and lead you. 
And what did he do? He showed them his scars. Listen! He showed them his scars. Somebody say scars or wounds. Scars or wounds. Has anybody ever had a bad wound? It's infected, pus is coming out of it. And when you touch it, it hurts. When you squeeze it, pus comes out, blood comes out. It's not healed yet. Has anybody ever had a wound and now it's a scar? You can slap it, you can hit it. God is commanding you to go show your scars to the world. I was wounded here, but now it's healed. The way you know that it's time to talk about it, you can have self-deprecating humor. You can talk about it without bitterness and anger. You can talk about it and say, you know what? I went through this, but now it's healed. Touch it. Put your hands in it. Somebody say, I will show my scar tissue. There's a lot of people you can't show your scars because they're not scars or wounds. I was talking to somebody today about his working in a church history and he just broke out crying. Just, in, just blew up. I said, that's not a scar, that's a wound. And the moment you talk about it, well, tell me about your daddy. <laughs> I hate him. Well, don't give that testimony yet. Wait till it turns into a scar. Because wounded people infect other people. You tell your story, but it's not scar tissue yet. You don't have peace about it. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying? I want you to raise your hand and say, Lord, do a life review. Show to me if I have any wounds of the past. That need, that need to be healed. One more time, say, Lord, Lord do, a do a life review and show me any wounds, show me any wounds. That, are still that are still festering, that still have pus coming out, that haven't yet turned into scars. If somebody asks you a direct question about your history, your family, your daddy, your mommy, and you avoid it, or you make up some other kind of narrative, know that we've touched the area of wounds. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15, in the Amplified Bible. Colossians 3, 15, in the Amplified Bible. Somebody say, my spirit has to get the peace. Come on, say, my spirit has to get the peace. Now, let me tell you, so this is such a practical teaching tonight. What does God want to do in your life? Something above and beyond all you can ask or think. Somebody say, above, above. And, beyond. and beyond. Above, above. And, beyond. and beyond. So how are you going to get there? You can't ask about it. You can't think about it. You've never seen it. How are you going to get there? You're going to be guided by the Spirit. But if I don't have peace 
and I got to understand everything that God's taken me to before I take a step, I'm never going to get there. I've made decisions based on peace, not my understanding. I've made decisions to buy things, to go places, to be with people, that my intellect was worthless. Because there was a future thing, it was a higher thing, but I had this supernatural peace. Pastor Brian's going to go to Israel, and they're having a conflict right now. He could be assassinated, he could be killed, he could be, you know, friendly fire from the, the Jews could get him. But he said, I'm going. You know why? I feel peace. But not peace in my soul. I feel peace in my spirit. Come on, say, I feel peace in my spirit. One more time. One, two, three. I talked to somebody that knew he shouldn't have married a certain woman. God arrested him. He didn't feel peace, but he did it anyway. Well, he overruled the peace of God in his life. Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. Let me tell you something. This river is going to flow from peace. <sighs> Jesus in the room, peace. Because if I can't get you to peace, you're agitated in your mind. You're thinking about you're going to die. They're going to kill me. You can't operate like that in the ministry. I've got to operate from peace. Look at your neighbor and say, peace be with you. Don't hit him in the nose, but say, peace be with you. You know, I've seen Pastor Chisholm for the last 30 years counsel people who are about to walk in stupidity and ignorance. And I'll ask them questions, and they have no peace, but they say, I think, I think, I think, I think. You know how the soul operates? I think I feel I want. I want, I think I feel. I think I feel I want. I want, I think I feel. Your emotions, your reasonings, and your deciding. Mind, will, emotions. And you know how the devil gets you? He gets you to want it in your mind. You justify it. Everybody say, the mind justifies what the heart has chosen. The mind justifies what the heart has chosen. So I think I feel I want. Come on, say, I think I feel I want. I want, I think I feel. I think I feel I want. I want, I think I feel. That's the sign you're thinking and operating from your soul. Many, many times that I've had decisions in my life, I had a pressure situation, a deadline situation, especially with salesmen. It's the last one, the fear of missing out. You're not going to get it. Can I tell you a prophetic peace story? Years ago, I was about to buy a house. Right square footage, right price, right kind of neighborhood. Everything seemed right to my soul, my mind, my will, my ocean. And the salesman was pressing me to sign the contract. I said, you know, I'm going to go think about it. I'm going to pray. I'm going to think about it over. I didn't say pray. I said, let me think about it overnight. That night, 
God began to deal with my heart. I didn't have anything that was conclusive, but I woke up with no peace. I called the guy and said, you know what, I'm not going to take you to the house. He said, it's exactly what you asked for. It's exactly what you wanted. The price is what you said. The square footage is more than you wanted. I said, I don't know why. I don't have peace. But I didn't use Christian language on him. I didn't pray in tongues. I'm not going to buy the house. I didn't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. That's for church stuff. A couple of years later, I'm selling a car to a lady and it required me to fill out a credit application. I said, what's your address? And the address she gave me was the address of that subdivision I was going to buy him. I said, you know, I was going to buy a house there one time, but I didn't do it. She said, why? I said, well, I felt like the Holy Spirit told me not to buy it. She goes, I wish the Holy Spirit would have told me not to buy that house. I said, what happened? She goes, the guy that sold us the house didn't grade the back of the house, and they had a tremendous rainstorm, and thousands and thousands of pounds of mud crashed through the walk-in basement. The guy went bankrupt. We got stuck with a house that had just mud and insurance. It's been a mess. I said, thank you, Jesus, for the peace of God. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus, for the peace of God. Say, ministry starts at peace. You know, when I first got in the prophetic, I prophesied over everything. I figured if I see it, I can say it. Man, I got more messes. You know, the Bible says, don't cast your pearls to the pigs. And I was giving prophecies to pigs. They didn't want to be disciples. They didn't want, and it just made them mad. And they got mad at me because of the prophecy. It was right, but they just, and God says, I never told you to give it. I told you so you could see it and avoid it. I went, oh, man. It was a lesson I learned. Sometimes people ask me for a prophetic word. I say, you know, let me think about it. And I try to escape their gaze. I remember years ago, I was at a conference, primarily African-American conference, and this 50-year-old lady walks up to me. She says, are you Prophet Kevin? I said, I am. She says, can I get a word from you? I said, well, let me think about it for a second. And I looked at her, and she did not look like the tribe I was with. And so they were like apostolic, prophetic-type people, flamethrowers, kind of like you. I says, uh, can I ask you a question? What church you go to? It was XYZ Church. I think it was a AME Church. I said, would your pastor let this guy preach in the church? Oh, she goes, oh, no. Would your pastor let me preach? He said, oh, no, he would never let you preach in a church. I said, I'm sorry, ma'am, I can't give you a prophetic word. She goes, why? I said, my, my word can't live where you live. If I give you a word, he's going to go die with you. Sanctified sarcasm. Don't buy ice cream if you don't own a freezer. I got a real word for you, but I'm wasting my energy because you don't want to leave that church because mom and them. I said, why don't you leave that church? He goes, well, my relatives are there. Jesus said, let the dead bear the dead, and they weren't even sick. Go with your tribe. Somebody say, don't hide from your tribe. Come on, say, don't hide from your tribe. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, and let the peace and the soul harmony, which comes from Christ, rule 
act like an umpire continually in your heart, deciding and settling with all finality, all questions which arise in your minds or your soul in that peaceful state to which us as members of Christ's one body were called to live and be thankful, appreciative, giving praise to God always. Say, let peace rule like an umpire. Come on, say, let peace rule like an umpire. So where's this river going to come from? My spirit. But it has to flow through my sanctified soul. Say, the river's coming through my spirit, but it's got to flow through my sanctified soul. I'm going to show you how this is going to work. Romans chapter 14, verse 17. Romans 14, verse 17. There are all kind of patterns in the scripture that when you see these patterns and operate on them, prophetically, they work great for you. Now, what did it say? Let the peace of God rule like an umpire. Romans 14, 17. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Somebody say righteousness. Righteousness. That word should be moral righteousness. If you look at the definition, it should be moral righteousness. Say moral righteousness, righteousness. peace, Peace. and joy. God designed that you live with a consciousness of righteousness. Say a consciousness of righteousness. One more time. And so here's how it works. When I had this consciousness of righteousness that there's nothing in between me and the Lord, no sin, no disobedience, I've done everything he said or I repented about it. I've done everything he said or repented about it. I'm in that state of righteousness. Everybody go, righteousness. The next piece I go into is peace, a peace. Peace. Go, ah, I'm in peace. Come on, say, ah. Come on, more ah in the ah. One, two, three. I'm in peace. One more time. And the next thing is joy. It's like that. It's not about circumstances. It's like, why are you so happy? I, I'm just happy. I mean, I'm connected to the Lord. I'm just, I don't know. I just have joy. Joy unspeakable. So if I don't have joy, what am I missing? If I don't have peace, what am I missing? Say Righteousness. Peace, Peace. joy. Joy. When I meet people that are aggravated, pressing me all the time, we got to go now, we got to, I said, no, I ain't going nowhere with you. (laughs) Why? You don't have peace. You have aggravation. Never spank your kids in anger. Spank them in righteousness. I spanked the fire to my kids. And when they were in the twos, the fours, Man, they were getting like 13, 15 swats a day. 
I even put a name on my paddle. The Holy Crack Up. And they stole the Holy Crack Up. I made another one. The Butt Master. I got a friend named Rodrigo. He got a paddle. You know what he named his paddle? Planned Parenthood. <laughs> Somebody say righteousness. righteousness. Peace. Peace. Joy. Joy. So you know what the problem with the church is? If I can't get to righteousness and get all that sin out, all my disobedience out, all my rebellion out, all my attitude towards the people around me out, I can never get to... And there's always an agitation when you get around them. You, you got to understand that you can sense where there's no peace in some people. You know, my wife, when we go to foreign countries, she doesn't speak Spanish, but she speaks faces. She's a sanguine personality. She goes, there's something wrong with that guy. His face is... God has so designed your face. Most people reveal their inner heart through their face. That lady one time, she's dead now, thank God. <clears throat> but she was just a mean old bat. She was saved though, but she was, I don't know if it, what it was. But I went to her funeral, and when I got to the funeral, I went to the casket. I said, whew. She looked better dead than alive. Because her spirit was manifesting through her face, and now her spirit was gone, and her face was at peace. See, under 40, you get the face that God gave you. Over 40, you got the face you've been making by your attitudes. Under 40, you got the face God gave Now, some black people, black don't crack. Brown don't frown. I had to do that for George, man. I had to do it for him. But people start taking on the appearance of their inner life. They start looking like anger, bitterness. You ever see people that are walking the dog, they look like their dog? Had a lady who was a hairdresser. Her dog had the same haircut as her. You just walk up. People look like the attitudes they've been carrying. They don't have peace. Come on, do it one more time. Righteousness. Righteousness. Peace. peace. Ah. And then we have joy. If I have no joy, it's because I have no if I have no peace, because I have no... Well, give the Lord a hand of applause for that revelation that's going to work in your life. Jesus is here to cause that river to flow out of you. And the problem is, if I don't have the ability to be righteous, I can't move in peace, I can't move in joy... Because the river of God doesn't start in your belly. The river of God starts at lordship. 
Somebody say the rivers of God started lordship. In the book of Revelation, it talks about the throne of God that has the rivers flowing out. Turn in your Bible to the last book of Revelation. It talks about the throne of God where the rivers of God come out. Revelation chapter 22, verse 1 down to verse 3. Revelation chapter 22, verse 1 down to verse 3. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and the Lamb. Under the throne is the birthplace of the river. Somebody say, under his throne, under lordship, is the birthplace of the river. So at the beginning of the service, we're crying, Lord, I want to be in the lordship. Lord, Lord, why? I'm trying to get you to the head of the river. The river starts at lordship. Look at verse 2. In the middle of a street on either side of the river were the tree of life which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. There will be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and his service shall serve him. Now, I want you to catch this because you got to realize something about what you just read. Heaven is eternity. Are there months in eternity? Are there weeks in eternity? But look what it says in verse 2. In the middle of the street on either side of the river was a tree of life which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every what? So where is this river headed? To earth. Somebody say no dry season. No fruitless season. I don't care what's going on in your life. There's a fruit that's for that season. There's a fruit for that month. Somebody say no dry season. What did he say in the book of Psalms? That you'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. What river is the tree planted in? River of life. It's metaphorical. The Bible calls you trees. He's got a river that's coming. Is anybody catching this yet? So we could teach on the gifts, on miracles, on prophecy, on the supernatural. But unless you start at the river, unless you start at the throne, and the Bible says, come boldly to the throne of grace. Can I come boldly if I don't have righteousness? Can I come boldly if I don't have peace? So I can teach on the supernatural all I want to, but they can never get to the beginning of the river of life because they have unrighteousness. They have fear. They have shame. They have rejection. One of the greatest things in my life about being constant, I've learned to discern the peace in my spirit. You know, Jesus sent the disciples out. He said, go preach the gospel. And he said, if you go to a city, when you get to a house, he said, release your peace upon the house. Somebody say, release your peace. Now, this is a spiritual manifestation. I really can't tell you how to do it you got to experience it. 
Some things cannot be explained. They can only be experienced. There are some people, when you get to them, you release your peace to them. But he said, if the peace comes back to you, shake the dust off your feet. I guarantee you, if you do a life review, the majority of the trouble you got into is that your peace came back to you, but you proceeded anyway. I should have seen that signal. I, I should understand that. I got busy with that guy and my peace came back. But it seemed like such a good deal to my mind. I made the deal anyway. I said I was going to marry that guy, but my peace came back to me. And I'm going to have to live with this fiasco because I didn't listen to the peace when it came back to me. This morning, I had a very unusual visitation of the Lord. In this visitation, the Lord gave me a word called aftertaste. How many know what aftertaste is? Aftertaste is after you eat something, it's that lingering taste of your mouth. It may taste good at first, but then you can taste something like metal or it just, ugh. because of the way your tongue is designed, you hit the sweet, hit the salty, but in the back of your tongue, that's where you get the aftertaste. And I was, I was looking at some kind of, somebody sent me some TikTok I don't have TikTok, but I had Instagram or something. And I was watching four or five of them. And they were just stupid things. But, you know, you get kind of addicted to it. Like, oh, that's, you wanna, they, they design them so you want to see the end of it. And you go, oh, that was a waste of time. And so I finally said, I'm going to sleep. And the Lord said, you know what the aftertaste of what you've just been watching is? Emptiness. You just feel empty, like, yeah is an aftertaste of emptiness. Sin always has an aftertaste. Guilt, shame, rejection, fear, self-loathing, unworthiness. And so by the aftertaste, you should understand, man, I shouldn't have eaten that. I shouldn't have been a part of that. But the aftertaste of being with Jesus is righteousness, peace, joy. The aftertaste of doing the work of the Lord is aftertaste of peace and joy. You know, I don't know how old Brian is, but he's, how old are you, Brian? He's 64 years old. But when he starts talking about the miracles, he was talking about some place. He was in the Philippines and he put his hand on a lady's goiter and it just disappeared. It just went, whew. and he got giggly like a little kid at Christmas time. He's, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's probably not a correct, you know, rendition. <laughs> you know, I love Brian's sense of humor. You know, he's got kind of a, he has a, it's not a six pack, it's a keg. 
But he said, I laid my hand on that lady's goiter and it disappeared. And he said, then I put my hand on my belly. Come, go down, go down, go down. (laughs) But the aftertaste of that miracle was, ah, so good. So good. God is saying, I'm about to cause the river to flow, but I got to get you to righteousness. I got to get you to peace. I got to get you to have joy, not in outward things, but in the inward treasure of the Lord. Some of you already got plans to be gone tomorrow night because there's a playoff game. And I don't care if you go there. That's all right. As a matter of fact, because the cell phones, you can watch the game and Kevin at the same time. <laughs> Just don't have the speakers on. It don't bother me at all. Because half the people are distracted by something all the time anyway. And we were talking about, you know, our pleasure is doing the work of the Lord. That's why we get along. He wants to do the work of the Lord. That's my pleasure. That's where I get my joy. It's going to be eternal. Most of you don't remember the playoff days unless you had money bet on them for the last 10 years. You don't know. Oh, who did win the... What, what, who did... But I remember miracles and signs and wonders. And God is saying, seek first the kingdom of God, doing my work, being in my house. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying? Come on, God is here tonight. I said, God is here tonight. So how is God going to do this? What's the next part of the sermon? Well, Kevin, I want peace. No, no, no. First, righteousness. How many know you can say the right thing the wrong way? You can be right but not righteous. And when you walk away from that conversation, the aftertaste is, you jerk. You Jezebel Jr. <laughs> you, you, you quoted the scripture, but you had a bad spirit about it. And it's not righteous. And then God comes in the night. He says, that, that wasn't righteous. That wasn't the way I would do it. And if you want to get your peace back, I got to repent. How many are ready to go? To righteousness. Because if you get around the Lord, he's going to make you a righteous person. Come on, I want you to raise your hands. I want my worship team to come and sing that Lordship song one more time. And say, Lord, if there's anything in my life. Come on, say, Lord. If there's anything in my life. That's not righteous. Identify it. it. Remove it. it. Come and do a life review. review. Talk to me about areas of my history that were unrighteous. Things I should not have said. Things I shouldn't have done. Especially in my family. Especially in my immediate family. Do a life review of righteousness.